We're starting a brand new series today, a series of eight messages, eight weeks, in Romans chapter 8. And we've titled this series, I say we, I, have titled this series, let's see here, Living the, can you say this with me? Can you see this? Living the no condemnation, spirit-filled, power-infused, more than a conqueror. If God is for me, who can be against me? Supernatural. Nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord kind of life. This is what the 8th chapter of Romans is all about. Now, how many of you would say, you know what, I need a little bit more of that kind of life in my life? Amen. Amen. And so if you would, open with me in your Bible to Romans chapter 8. You might be thinking, eight weeks in one chapter? Well, this isn't just any chapter. Romans chapter 8 is the greatest chapter in the whole Bible. I really believe that. There's no other chapter in the Bible that, so, that is so thoroughly packed, full, chocked, full of so much powerful truth about what it means to be a Christian and to be a child of God. Romans 8 is like a soda can that's been shaken up by your four-year-old and you don't know about it. And you open it up and it goes everywhere. That's what Romans 8 is like. It is shaking up. It is ready to explode on us with gospel truth, with life-changing truth. It's all about living a life empowered by, filled by, fueled by the Holy Spirit in our lives. In the first seven chapters of Romans, Paul, who writes this, he only mentions the Spirit Five times. Romans 1 through 7, the Holy Spirit is only mentioned five times. In Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about the Holy Spirit 21 times. More than any other chapter in the whole New Testament. You know, God's plan for your life is not to live a life of defeat. Not to live a life of depression. Not to live a life down in what my grandma used to call the mully grubs. I don't know what those are, but I knew it was bad to be down in them. That is not what God has called you to. Amen. God's desire for you is to rise above the circumstances, the challenges, the attacks from the enemy. How many of you know that we live in a real world that's full of a real spiritual battle that's happening? That our world is not just the physical, but there is a supernatural spiritual dimension. And within this dimension, there are angels, praise the Lord, but there's also Satan and demons. And the enemy, Satan, he's out to what? To steal, to kill. And to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life. And not, not just a life that squeaks by. Not just a life that's holding on by the last thread. Not a life that 
you know, one more straw is going to break the camel's back of your life. No. He says a life and life more abundantly. So God's desire is that you would rise up above all of the junk of life through the power of his Holy Spirit at work within you. And I believe that we all need a fresh rediscovery of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives and in our church and definitely in our city. So my prayer for us over the next couple of weeks or a couple of months is that God would set our hearts on fire with a burning passion for him and to know him and to love him and to serve him with passion and zeal like we never have before. Amen. And that we would earnestly seek his kingdom and the work of his spirit in our lives every day. Amen. That's my little intro for you on Romans 8. I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump right into verse 1 this morning. Father, we're so glad to be here, to be in your house. Lord, to be a part of your church. Lord, that you've, you've, you've called us out of the, the kingdom of darkness. You've called us out of the world and, and, and a broken system of, of the flesh and of sin and of defeat and of darkness. And Lord, you have brought us into this, the kingdom of your son, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of life. And Lord, you've placed us in your church, a place that we can come and, and worship you with freedom. Thank you that we have freedom to worship you today. Well, thank you for that great privilege that we can gather today, Lord, with people who are also filled of your spirit and full of your love and that together you're binding us together and, and building us into a people that you've called us to be witnesses in, in this city, in San Antonio, in our community. Lord, as, as we spend time in your word today, I pray that shackles of bondage would fall off of your people today. Lord, that the lies of the enemy that have, have been spoken over them today, they would be canceled by the power of your word today, Lord, that what you have declared over us, Lord, that we would step into it, that we would receive it by faith, that you would transform us and wash our minds clean with your word today, and that you would put your spirit down deep in our hearts, and that we would leave here like a bullet shot out of a gun to go and take this city for Jesus, even while we eat our enchiladas today. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4 is where we will be today. And I just want to say that if you haven't read this chapter in a while or you've never read it before, hey, here's your homework this week. You ready? I want you to go home and I want you to read Romans 8 every day this week. Do you have two minutes for Jesus a day this week? Jesus said, could you not tarry with me one hour? That was to the disciples. They had been with him for three years. I'm lowering the bar for you guys. Two minutes. Your homework this week. And write down. If God speaks to you something, write it down. 
as you read through Romans 8 this week. I need to preach the sermon I brought instead of the one that I'm like getting in my head right now. Okay, sorry. I just, I just skipped a rabbit trail. I don't know why I have to tell you that. I don't need to tell you that, but anyway. Romans 8, 1 through 4 is where we're at. Paul writes, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son. What is his son's name? Jesus. By sending his own son in the likeness of, sin, of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk, not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. What does this mean that Paul writes here? Especially this part in verse 1, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What does this mean? What is it really saying? Does he really mean that there's no condemnation for me? Is that really what he's saying? Could, could that actually be what it means? That that's what he, he's saying? Yes! That's what it really means. That for those of us who are in Christ, that's the key word in this passage, that there is no condemnation for you. For your sin, no condemnation. This is your sin's past. How many of you have some sins in your past? This is for your sin's present. Not going to ask us to raise our hands for that. Although those of you who didn't raise your hands for sin's past, you could raise it for present because you just lied. <laughs> Lying's a sin. This is for sins past. This is for sins present. This is for sins future. This is what God says about you. No condemnation. Can it really mean that? Yes, it can. And this is by far, without a doubt, the greatest news ever in the history of the world. 
that for those who are in Christ Jesus, all of your sins, all of your faults, all of your failures, all of your shortcomings, all of your rebellion, bad attitude, nastiness, all of it is forgiven in Christ. Amen. What does it mean to be in Christ? What is this idea of being in Christ? This is the key phrase here. We need to understand what it means. So, in Christ, do not think of being in Christ or being in Jesus. It's not like being inside of Jesus. It's not like I've got some tools in a toolbox or I've got some clothes in a closet. It's not like that, but it is more like how a limb is in the tree, how a branch is in the tree or connected to the tree, or how one of my limbs is in my body, is connected to my body. It's not so much of being inside of some kind of container, like I'm in some sort of Jesus Tupperware, but it's that I have been united to Christ himself. As a tree and a limb, where does one stop and the other begin? Can you tell? Can you tell where my arm starts and my rest of me begins? It's the same with us in Christ. It means to be united with Christ, joined together with him. Paul uses this term in Christ over 160 times in his letters. This is the way that we should think about our relationship to God, that we are in Christ. You see, this is something that God has done for us. Here we see in verse 3, he says, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. God has united us with Christ. We do not unite ourselves to Christ. God the Father unites us to his son. And if God has done it, you can't undo it. Some of you don't believe that. I feel sorry for you. I feel bad for you. Listen, if God has united you to his son Jesus, there's only one way that that could be separated. That's if God undoes it. 
And God don't do that. If you are in Christ, period, that's it. You're never going to be separated. This is, this is how he ends Romans chapter 8. What can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Nothing! Can it really mean? Can he really? Can it? Can it certainly there's something that I could do. No. Nothing means nothing. For those who are in Christ, this is a work that God has done that you cannot undo. I am saved, not because of a decision that I have made. I am saved because of a declaration that God has made about me. Flip back to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Paul says that, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know what the word justified means? It means declared righteous. You have been declared righteous by God. What does that mean? That means that you are righteous. It means that God's word stands above every other word, every other thought about you, every other declaration about you, every other lie of the enemy about you. God has declared that those who are in Christ Jesus are justified, are righteous. And for those who are in Christ, there is no condemnation for sin. We live constantly under this false idea of a religious spirit that says we must earn and work for our right standing before God. And that if I am not Christian enough or if I don't tithe enough or go to church enough or if I put my radio station not on 91.3 because I can't stand to listen to the pledge drive this week and so I flip it over to 99.5 or something else that now I'm not Christian anymore. God's not pleased with me anymore. Uh, now I have condemnation in my life. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, you have been declared righteous by God. And if God has declared it, who, who, who can challenge that? What, what other word can come against that? Can, can the devil's word, can, can it undo what God has declared about you? No. Do you think your word 
can, can undo what God has declared about you? The answer is no. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And God is the one who has united us to his son. And so I am saved again. I'm saved because God has made this declaration about me. Not because I made a decision about him. You see, we, we, we think in, in the wrong ways. We, 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 we think I am a Christian because I've decided to be a Christian. I have decided to follow Jesus. That's why I don't lead worship here. Anyway. <laughs> Do you know why you have decided to follow Jesus? Because God has declared that you are righteous. Because God has united you to his son. And so we think in terms of, well, if I, if I have chosen that, that we, we, think, we think about being a Christian as like a lifestyle choice. That, well, I'm going to pick my career and I'm going to pick my spouse and I'll pick my religion. And maybe I'll change it at some point. That, that's, and, and when we think about the Christian life that way, it's not the Christian life. It, it, it sets us up at the starting line to, to run in the totally opposite direction, the totally wrong trajectory of what God has for you in your Christian life. He has declared that you are righteous. You are, you are a Christian today. You are saved today. Jesus says to his disciples, you, you guys think you chose me? No, I, I chose you. Jesus says, I'm the one that called you out of the world. I'm the one that called you out of darkness. You, you, you thought I was answering your call, but it was me who was ringing you, Jesus says. You ever had that happen? <laughs> you ever, like, call someone and you didn't know you called them and there's all this confusion going on? L listen, you, you, when you call out to Jesus for salvation... You're responding to a call that he's made over you. And so we respond to the call of God in our life. We respond by faith, believing in God. Ephesians 2.8, we're saved not by works. We're saved by God's grace, his unmerited favor, favor that you do not deserve, you have not earned, saved by grace, through faith. And so it's the faith portion that we exercise that, cause, that, that we receive this union that God has done in our lives. I'm not saved because I've chosen to be a Christian. I'm saved because God has chosen to unite me to his son, Jesus and through my union with Christ, my sinfulness has been placed upon him. My state of sin, my, my sins that I have committed have been placed on Christ through my union with him. And so because Christ 
has been condemned in the flesh, it says, as Jesus died on the cross, now I live uncondemned. Because Jesus has taken my condemnation. I live uncondemned, free from guilt, free from shame. God has declared that you and I are righteous. That means that we are righteous. Whether I feel like it or not, I'm righteous. Whether I live like it or not, God has declared that I am righteous. And because of that, there is no condemnation in my life. God is the one who does the work of salvation. And if we will grasp this, if we will receive this, if if we will let this seed of truth be planted into our hearts, it will change everything about our Christian life. It'll change the way we think about God. It'll change the way we think about obeying Him, serving Him, loving Him, following Him, keeping His commandments. When I understand that God is the one who has done the work and accomplished it for me, it changes the way I think about everything. What this means is that we are not holding on to Jesus, but it's Jesus who's holding on to us. And Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, that even if we are faithless, he remains faithful. That means that it's not on my work that gets me saved, and it's not my continued work that keeps me saved. That all of it is the work of Christ in my life. And because of this, there is no condemnation for us. Not because our behavior is so Christian, but because our Savior is Christ. You are right now just as righteous as Jesus Christ. You are right now just as righteous as Jesus Christ. But we don't live with that thinking. We don't live with that idea. We don't live with that mentality. Why? Well, because of the pervasiveness and the effects of sin in our lives. Romans 3.23, all have fallen short. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we know that sin has affected and infected every single area of our life. Every thought, every feeling, every desire, every deed, every action that you have ever done or ever had or ever thought, every single one has been affected and influenced by sin. Every single one. This is what it means that we are sinners by nature. You can read the rest of Romans chapter 5 where Paul talks about how we have inherited a sin nature. 
So we sin every day in innumerable, undetected ways. We sin and don't even know it because of how deeply sin is rooted in our flesh. Every thought, every word, every action, every feeling that we have has been affected and infected by this sin nature. Read Romans 7 to get a better idea on this. And even when we feel like we're doing pretty good and we're not living in sin, you ever feel like that? I'm doing pretty good this week. (laughs) Read my Bible every day. Didn't chew. Didn't smoke. Didn't drink. Didn't cuss out my wife that much. Praise God. (laughs) Doing pretty good this week. Even when we feel like we're doing good, we're living in sin because that's a spirit of pride, which is also sin. So to think that we're not sinful actually makes us more sinful. 1 John 1, 8 and 10, he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. That's telling ourselves lying. Lying's a sin. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We sin all the time. I'll give you an example. You were designed by God to be his image bearer. What that means is that your life purpose is to show forth and shine forth the glory of God. And anything and everything else other than shining forth, showing forth God's glory is falling short. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is what you were designed to do. But how often are we more concerned about what other people think about us and how we look and whether we, or we are accepted by them? How much more do we think about that than try to live out whether my life is bringing glory to God? Well, how about like 24-7, right? Like you, you, it'd be easy to count on one hand how often we're living for God and his glory. Like compared to how we always think and always operate. That's just one example of how we're sinning all the time and we don't even realize it. There's not a sermon that I preach that I don't sin while I preach. Because every time I preach, you know know what other thoughts are creeping into my head? Are people going to like me? Am I going to be accepted? Is this going to be, am I? How does this make me look? Like, like, I'm just being human here. Like, like these are the thoughts. Am Am I the only one who thinks thoughts like this? If I preach this, everyone's going to get mad again, and I'm going to get emails. So 
It's going to be three people that get up and walk out. But am I called to live for the approval of men or am I called to proclaim the word of God and for his glory? But, but, but what I'm saying is that, that we constantly are, are in this sea of sinfulness and we don't even see it or realize it. The effects of sin play themselves out in our lives moment by moment, breath by breath. And guess what? You don't make it out of here without sinning either, all right? So don't just be looking at me with a bunch of judgment. Like 75% of you said, I wish you wouldn't have said that. What's he doing up there? Guess what? You need to repent. Some of you didn't like that. Guess what? You need to repent. The effects of sin play themselves out in our lives moment by moment, breath by breath. James 2.10, he says, whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking it all. We're condemned under the law. Humanity in sin is hopelessly lost, but... For those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. Humanity in sin is hopelessly lost, but for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. Now, God's law, the law that shows us sin, the Ten Commandments is a great example of God's law. God's law is good. God's law is just. God's law is perfect. God's law is righteous. But God's law cannot save or redeem or give us eternal life. Not because there's something wrong with God's law, but because there's something wrong with me. Not because God's law is broken, but because I am broken. This is why he says... In verse 2, that the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, which is good and just and righteous and perfect, God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. Though God's law is good and perfect, it could not save because it is weakened by our sinful flesh, but God has done what the law could not do, and because I am in Christ, there is no condemnation, and though I fall and fail and sin, God still declares me righteous, because I am in Christ Jesus by faith. So there are those who will say, who will think, you're, you're all thinking this. I can see some of you kind of shifting in your seat. You're just kind of wiggling. I don't know about all this grace talk. People are going to live in sin if we keep talking about grace. If there's no condemnation for me when I sin, people will think, what difference does it make if I sin? Or if I choose to live in sin, I can just keep on sinning, living however I want if there's no condemnation for me. 
Some of you have been thinking that. Oh, this is not good. He's preaching grace, and next thing we know, it's just going to be bad. Bad things are going to start happening. People are going to start living in sin if we preach grace. If there's no condemnation for me when I do sin, what difference does it make if I sin or if I choose to live in sin? Listen, everyone who has fully understood the gospel, everyone who has fully understood the implications of grace and the work of Christ, everyone who has fully understood the gospel has had this thought. Has had this thought. If you haven't had this thought at some point, then you haven't fully grasped the depths and the reality of what no condemnation really means. I've thought that before. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I've thought that before. Well, I can do this, and I'll just ask God for forgiveness. Everyone who's fully understood the gospel, fully understood what no condemnation really means, has had this thought and temptation. And so if you've had this thought, it only means that you've understood that there is no condemnation. But those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, those who are truly in Christ, we know that this way of thinking is a trap. We know that this way of thinking is a trap. We know that living in sin and continuing in sin is living beneath God has made us and called us to be. That living in sin, we know, is beneath us. And so Romans chapter 6, Paul writes this, what shall we say then? Romans 6, 1. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Now, why does he write this? Because he knows that, for the, that this is what people can think, possibly a temptation when you fully understand the gospel. Well, if there's no condemnation for me, then I can just live in sin. So Paul has to write to address this. What shall we say? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? What does he say? Verse 2. By no means... How can we who died to sin still live in sin? Verse 15 of chapter 6. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means, he says. So no, the freedom that we have in Christ, the fact that there is no condemnation, it is not a license to sin. It is liberty to live for God. And the question that we who know Christ, who have genuinely received Christ by faith, who are united to Christ, we know that when we sin and fall short, it affects our relationship with God. We feel that. We feel that. We know that. It's not a con condemnation, but it's a, a conviction of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And the question that Paul asks is, why would I want to continue in sin when I've been set free from sin? 
put it in the MJB translation. It's the Matthew John Bell translation. <laughs> Why would I drink sewage when I have access to living water? Why continue in sin when I've been set free from sin? We know that it is the goodness of God, the grace of God, the no condemnation of God that leads us to repentance. When we sin, it's insulting God. And we who love God do not want to insult our Creator, our Savior. We do not want to abuse His grace. We don't have that desire. I don't have the desire to sin. Now, in my flesh, there's this battle going on all the time. And Paul writes about that in Romans 7. But in my mind, in my heart, I don't want to sin. I hate sinning. Just yesterday, I was driving down the street in San Antonio, and um, I passed by a, a certain location that I hadn't been in, to in a long time, and it reminded me of somebody I haven't seen in 20 years. And all of a sudden, I started thinking about 20 years ago. Actually, more than 20 years ago. And I, all of a sudden, I started thinking about a specific sin that I had committed. And it just kept playing back in my mind over and over and over again. And I, man, I started to just get so down and defeated. How could I have done that? How could I, I know the truth. I know that, what was I thinking? How could I have strayed so far? How could I have gotten into that place where I, I was tempted and fell into that sin? That was just yesterday. And then I remembered Romans 8.1. That there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I had to start preaching to myself. Listen, Matt, there's no condemnation for you. Jesus has paid the price for your sin. Though we are broken when we do sin, that God's disposition towards us is not one of condemnation and judgment, but one of grace and justification. And so we must preach God's word to ourselves. We must speak God's word to ourselves. Because you know who the voice of condemnation comes from? The devil. Because he wants to keep you bound and defeated and linked to your past through condemnation and through lies. Listen, the devil is a liar. You need to know today there is no condemnation for you if you are in Christ Jesus. What you did in the past is in the past. It's under the blood. What you did yesterday, give it to God. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. We walk out of here righteous. We are righteous. 
And what we as God's people need to do is we need to live out who we really are. You really are righteous. You really are a new creation. You really are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so the, the, the word to us as God's people is be who God has created you to be. When you sin, that's not you. Have you ever told somebody that? They did something just so out of character. You said, hey, what are you, what are you doing? That's not you. Listen, every time you sin, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes and he says, hey, that's not you. That might be who you used to be. That might be the old flesh that's trying to cling to you. But listen, you are now a new creation in Christ Jesus. Your old life of sin, your old life of shame, your own life of death, your own life of defeat, that's under the blood. You are united with Christ. You are righteous. Let's live righteously. And he goes on to say that we live in the power of God's spirit. That we cannot live righteously in our own strength, but we can only do it as we live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we invite the spirit to come and to work in our lives and to give us his strength and to not walk according to the flesh, but to live according to the spirit. I remember a long time ago, uh, I was counseling with a father whose child was having some severe health challenges. And this man asked to, to come and meet with me, and we sat down, and he, he began to cry and to weep and to break down. And it wasn't because, he wasn't, he wasn't weeping because his child was sick. He was weeping because he thought that God was punishing him because of the sins of his past. And he thought that the reason his child was sick now was because of things he had done 20 years ago. And the enemy loves to come and to beat us up and to tell us lies about who God is. Listen, that's not the God that you serve. We serve the God of no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We serve the God who has set us free from the law of sin and death that we now live according to the spirit of life and the spirit of God's power. And so I want to encourage you to continue to renew your mind, to continue to speak God's word over you. If God has declared you righteous, don't let anybody else come and try and tell you anything else. That is who you are. And with the power of God's spirit, you can be and live the way he's called you to live. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it teaches us just how good you are. Lord, even though we fall short every single day, your mercies are new every morning. Your disposition towards us is love and grace and mercy and favor and salvation and healing and restoration and deliverance. And you continue to remain faithful to us even when we fall short. Because when else would we need it but when we fall short? And so, Lord, when we fall short and when we sin, we thank you for the conviction of your Holy Spirit that draws us back to you, draws us into a close relationship with you. God, it's our heart's desire to not sin, but I thank you that when we do, 
We, uh, we, we don't lose our status with you. We don't forfeit our sonship. We don't forfeit our place in your family because you have welcomed us in. You have made us your sons and daughters. You have declared that we are righteous. And help us, Lord, through the power of your spirit to live out and to be the people that you have called us to be. Lord, I just right now speak against the lies of the enemy, the lies of the enemy over your people that declares that they are condemned. I I speak against that lie in the name of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would would help us to arise in the power of your, your spirit to renew our minds, that we would live every day, Lord, a life uncondemned, because we know and are certain and are sure that Jesus Christ was condemned in our place. Because of that, we have received his righteousness, perfect, sinless, spotless. So in Jesus' name, we rebuke the lies, we rebuke the shame, we rebuke the guilt. God, I pray that you would break those chains of bondages off of your people, that you would set us free from our past to live for you and to be the people you have called us to be, to be lights shining, people and agents of healing in this community. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap this morning.